last week on Discount Heroes. Runs forward with his sword of subtlety and sticks out his arm and starts slashing towards Legis. Copes is going to wild shape into a crocodile. So as Knox jumps on the back of the crocodile, uh, and as he grabs on, he's going to cast Enlarge. We support those uppies. He tries to nice. reach into your mind, take control of your body. Pull out my potion of giant's growth and toss it over to him. I want to try to summon the scimitar that I saw in the vision. And he's going to swing it down as you hear a loud whistling as the blade just kind of screams through the air. All right, with a tremendous wave of force as the blade comes down, this shadowy figure is forced to the edges of the room, its form dissipating into mere smoke. He pulls the sheet of paper down in front of him. He says, Legis, I think it's time that we had a little chat, but I think I need to be alone with my thoughts for a while. So you head on out towards the exit. So you're saying that I can conjure fireballs with this thing whenever I want? No. Tackle him. Vargabonds. You know what? You deserve it. All right. You guys fall through the unerring blackness for some time before landing on the hard deck of the ship. As the airship hovers in the sky, our heroes settle down to rest. Some people say villains, but tonight they're heroes. Welcome to Discount Heroes, where questionable results are always guaranteed. We're a chaotic story and character-driven real play podcast. We're a group of five friends who've all known each other for 15 plus years. We've played countless hours of questionable D&D, and now we want to share with you the game we love so much. My name is Brent. I'm the DM here. We've got four players here. Why don't you introduce yourselves and who you're playing? What's up, y'all? Back from the dead. It's me, Tyler, playing Copes. The Circle of the Stars, Druid. An encore? Why not? This is Dimrock, the Tiefling Bard, played by Aaron. This is Jared, playing the part of Thrasher, the Human Barbarian. And this is Matt, playing the part of Nox, the Gnome Wizard. A uh, quick question for you, Tyler. Was that Copes back from the dead, or you were back from the dead? I am back from the dead. I don't know why I said that, yeah. <laughs> It was actually Tyler. It was a very serious situation. <laughs> We're glad you're okay, bud. I Demar Hamlin'd it. Oh, no, no. Oh. No, don't say that. Uh, <laughs> we gotta cut that. On the field of the podcast. He's okay. He got better. I know. I don't like the way this is going. Arc 2. 
Wow, arc two, starting off on a low note. We can only go up from here. That's what I was setting the precedent for. We had to drag it down after such a high finish. That's my job. Guys, I forgot to think of a question. I was so busy thinking about what was going to happen to all of you individually. Oh, shit. We just asked so many questions. You just did all the questions. I know. How could you guys think of any more? Let's just, uh, what's your favorite color? Oh, it's green. It's always been green since I was two, three. As soon as I could say green, I've never changed. I never will. There you go. Cope's blue. Tyler, blue. Red. I don't know, man. They're colors. Who cares? It's season two! <laughs> Welcome back! <laughs> Matt, play the sound. Which one? Either of them. One through nine. Just pick one. Season three, learn our favorite numbers. I like habanero orange as a color. That's my favorite color. I'm going to Google that. That's not a color. Play number four, Matt. Was that like Windows? It was like a Windows <laughs> startup sound. That, that was not fitting, no. No, that's Dream. Uh, mm. Mm. Sounds more like a nightmare. Perfect. Oh, it is a color. Habanero orange. All right, I got a question for y'all. I just thought of it. All right, cut the rest of that out then. All right. No. All right, I got a question for y'all. What does your character dream about at night? Stars. That's it? What do copses dream of when they take a little say to snooze? They dream of turning into zebras <laughs> or dancing with a Broadway cue. We should do music sometime. Fuck, oh, that was great. That was good. I mean, yeah, I was, I'm really impressed, honestly. I really wanted y'all to write a, a song for the, for the last season. Yeah, you would love that, wouldn't you? A parody on, like, <laughs> a wagon wheel parody. It'd be like, come and tell you how you feel, old wagon wheel. What was that? That was it. Nailed it. I love how you were like, a song about wagon wheel. Hold on. I've got this. <laughs> There's no more obvious choices. What did Brent say? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> what are your parents? <laughs> Let's just start the episode. Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. <laughs> what was your question? I kind of like that more, yeah, honestly. Yeah, me too. <laughs> What does your character dream about? My character dreams about starting the episode. <laughs> Got him. As far as I know, my character doesn't sleep. Because I'm a tiefling. <laughs> Tieflings absolutely sleep. We talked about this in another episode. You said it, but you're not a tiefling, so maybe you just don't know about us. Thrasher dreams about being the front man of a band playing a huge open-air festival. And if it happens to be a nightmare, then he remembers that he can't sing. I think Knox dreams of winning American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Wouldn't it be no American? What is it called? Like the, the end of it? The Mount whatever, Vesuvius or Tower of Terror, whatever it's called. I don't know. Mount Fukushima. The aggro crag. No. Yeah. What's that, Nerf? What is that? That was the <laughs> global guts. Global guts. Yeah. I always thought I'd be so good at it because you're just watching them like look for like a flag in like a kiddie pool. Like a I'm pool like, of sludge. Yeah. You know. I could fucking do that. <laughs> I'd be so much better than this kid. It's under the left nostril. It's under the left nostril. Yeah, you just got, you sweep with the hand. You don't just dig straight down. Yeah, just punch into the slime. Man, stupid kids. I'm so much better than them. <laughs> you know stuff that fifth graders know. So let's go ahead and begin the game.
Last week, our intrepid adventurers encountered memories of past battles, defeating them more handily than the first time. Eventually, they drew out their enemy's true form, Legis the Terrible. They struggled against his might and all seemed lost until the party decided to remember their dear friend Wagon Wheel. Copes used his final hit die to give Wagon Wheel his name back, emblazoning a name tag on his chest. As a result, the windows burst open of the Citadel of Wealth. With dozens of wagon wheels, now named Quinsley Puffton, joined the fray and held Legis back. As the battle raged, Knox returned the contract to Quinsley, and he proceeded to read the termination clause to end the deal. Having achieved some kind of dominion over his mind following the reading of it, he pushed their heroes from his mind and they were left exhausted and damaged as they were finally able to rest. Look, I hate to be that guy, but last week we actually just answered questions. Start it over. Season two. Start over. <laughs> episode five, this bitch. <laughs> the lost episode. <laughs> I figure the Q&A will be part of season one, right? I think it's some like lost time warp purgatory situation. We'll tell people it's not purgatory the whole time, and then at the end they'll find out it's purgatory. And then there's a polar bear. Boom. Tornado bear. Guys, I forgot to turn my live on-air sign off while we weren't recording. Oh, fuck. What do we do? What? We're going to have to start over. Fucking amateurs. Absolute amateurs. Matt, on a green-tinged planet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys rest for the night. So I asked you what kind of dreams you had. I was secretly judging what answers you gave me, and Thrasher gave the best answer. Yay. Thrasher, why don't you describe a dream that you're having right now? Is it a nightmare? It is not a nightmare. Thrasher finds himself as the front man of the newly reformed Corpsable Camp. He's standing up on the stage at Kraken Open Air. You know, the crowd's just going wild, cheering for their favorite songs. He's throwing up some devil horns. Every time he does, they're screaming and throwing them back up at him. And then the music starts, and magically he can sing like his favorite frontman. All right, you're playing your song. You notice a figure moving swiftly through the crowd. Do I recognize the figure? As they approach the stage, you do recognize them. It's Wagon Wheel, or Quincy Puffton, as he is now named or was named, always was named. He has a strange look to him, as though his existence is tenuous, like he's becoming transparent and then solidifying. What's the word? Insubstantial. As he approaches the stage. Uh, does he walk up when he gets up to the front, or does he you know, watch? It looks like he's clearly coming up to the stage. It looks like he's in a hurry. Okay. I'm going to quickly finish a song. All right, everybody, thanks for coming out. Uh, we're going to take a quick little break, and then we'll be back to melt more faces. And then I walk off the stage. Woo! All right, you go over there. You walk up to, it looks like Wagon Wheel. He's just gradually disappearing from existence. Hey, what's up, man? And picture this modified, because I'm going to modify it in post. Thrasher, you gotta listen to me. It's dangerous for me to be here. What's going on, man? It's taking longer than I expected. I think I'll be talking with Legis for some time before I wake up. 
I just want you to know that I'm okay. Oh, good, man. I've been worried about you. you. Do you need us to come back in there? No, no. And in fact, the longer I stay here, the riskier it becomes. I need to go. Wait, could... You see that his clothes have started to change? He's got some... Why don't you tell me what clothes he gets? Why do I get to pick his clothes? He's in your dream. Oh, yeah. He's wearing exactly the same things he always wears, except he's got a Corpsville Can t-shirt with my face on it that's like four sizes too big for him over top of what he usually wears. He looks surprised at each change. I have to go soon. I can't stay here. What is it you're asking? How, can, how do I help you, man? Just keep me safe. I'll come out of it eventually. I'll talk to you this way if I need something from you. Uh, okay, man. Uh, I, I gotta go rock. He starts to hold up his fingers and starts headbanging. And he's like, I, I gotta go. And he vanishes. Boy. And then I go back up on stage and continue to melt faces. You spend the night melting faces in your dream. And then the four of you awaken in the morning. So I'll go ahead and establish this just up front. It's going to be, let's say, a few weeks before Wagon Wheel wakes up. Also, you guys are level five. Yes, thanks. Jared, do you have anything to say about that? Uh, no. Nothing? Nothing needs to happen when we... Is there something that I usually... When we level up? I don't, I mean, I'm... Yeah, there is. I mean, it was an episode title at some point. Oh, man. Huh. I just... Sorry, I was role-playing, Aaron. And cue the level-up music. Dang, that did sound like me. (laughs) All right, so a few weeks pass. We're going to go ahead and jump and sort of describe what happens to each of you during those few weeks. You have access to the airship. You can spend your time however you like during this time. I assume you're going to take some leisure time to rest and relax and recuperate from the amount of damage that you've all taken over the course of, I think, 13 deaths across these 29 episodes, well, 30 episodes. Yeah, when we wake up and we go to breakfast, I tell them about my dream in exquisite detail. Copes is sitting on the uh, rails of the ship. He's got a blanket over his shoulders and he's sipping on a, a mug of tea. You really saw him, bro? Like, was he okay? He said we just gotta keep him safe and then he'll be alright. I don't know how long it's gonna take him to come out of this. Something tells me three to four weeks if I was going to put a guess to it. Where is he? He's tucked safe in my race car bed. We should build a box around him. We should put him in a deposit box. Yeah, and it should be airtight. Flargo, come on, man. Flargo! What? Dang. Oh, you guys need that. Yeah. Not that. Him. We need him. Our friend. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> we won't make it airtight then. I'll put holes in it. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Why don't you not worry about the Quinsley issue? We'll handle the Quinsley thing. You worry about other things. I don't know. If you guys put me in charge, make me project manager, I'll handle it. I need a new bed because mine's being taken. Do you want to head that project? I'll get right on it, boss. I'm going to look for a hammer. Yeah, that's what I thought he <laughs> might be doing. Flargo, no wood from the ship. Well, where else do you get it? <laughs> Not like it just... Oh, well, okay. <laughs> just take it from an inconspicuous... In, in no, this. no, no, no. Don't 
Don't give him. Don't. Inconspicuous. I can't say it. Just, just get some wood. I need a bed. One flargo bed coming right up. Flargo bed. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, it seems like we've got some time to possibly relax for a moment. Yeah, I think we just, you know, let him chill in the bed on the ship. If we need to take the ship somewhere, then whoever takes it keeps an eye on, on Quitsley. I think that's a good call. So what are you guys going to do with your three to four weeks? And then play the dream sound again. (laughs) 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 All right, who wants to go first? All right. So Demarok, three to four weeks passed. Let's just leave it up in the air so that I can have that leeway for me later. (laughs) Deal. I assume you relax at least somewhat during those three to four weeks. Why don't you tell me what you do during that time? Well, the first thing Demarok's got to do is get back to town, back to Vallis, just for a little while. He's just got a couple loose ends he needs to tie up. He's pretty sure he left the stove on, doors unlocked, (laughs) windows are open. Who knows how many dire raccoons are now living in his home. He's got a killer bar tab that he wants to use some of this wagon wheel money to pay off. And I think Ilgis might need a hug. Okay. So Ilgis might need a hug. Is that is that all you do? Yeah, but so I think I asked the guys, at least if they don't need to go back to town, to just drop me off and to please come back for me. Because I do not want to walk anywhere ever again. Where would you go first? What's your first order of business? Gotta see if Esmeralda's all right. See if he ever found that frog. God knows I want to see Jumpy. <clears throat> Sorry. You head to the frog bellows. <laughs> Quite busy, but you don't see any sign of Esmeralda. Am I still in the brain plane? He wants to pinch himself just to make sure. It hurts. Okay. We're home. Uh, do I see Froggy there? Froggy is nowhere in sight. The tank that once held him is still empty. Um, is there somebody working behind the bar? Yes, there's somebody behind the counter. You! Esmeralda Impost... Impostinator. Yes. Oh. I kind of like that. (laughs) My name's Dimrock. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you doing, sir? Great. You ever seen somebody play the drums like this? And he just wails on a a beautiful drum solo on his little tam-tam. Oh, wow. That's incredible. I've never seen anyone play that. Hold on. I'm not done. I'm not done. Oh, okay. And finished. Wow. Would would you be ordering any drinks today, sir? Uh, yeah. Give me, give me one of everything you've got. I'm here to celebrate. Oh, okay. She, he seems chipper. He walks to the back to get your drinks, (laughs) brings them back. Here's your drink, sir. How many does he hand me? Uh, nine drinks. Nine drinks. That sounds excellent. I start handing them around the bar. Hey, everyone, everyone. I've done it all by myself. I saved him. Cue Puff. Quincy Puffton. The wagon wheel. Everyone cheer for me. Everyone cheers without context. Holy crap. <laughs> that shocks him. He's kind of thrown off for a second. <laughs> but then just decides to lean into it. That's right, and tonight, I'll be playing a show here, and an after party at my house. Everyone kind of is like, 
shrugs to themselves. All right, all right, yeah. Everyone starts cheering again. And here's some money for everybody. I'm just getting all wrapped up and people liking me. <laughs> and I take 30 gold out of my pouch and just toss it into the air. Oh, the people love that. They're, they're cheering for you. Don't forget, it's Dimarok, the greatest drummer alive. So you spend some time partying with the Frog's Bellow folks? Yep. Throughout your partying, you learn that Esmeralda no longer works here. Oh, fuck. What happened? They catch her stealing? Oh, you didn't find out. I want to go back to the fair-voiced man. You, pretty beautiful man. (laughs) Hey, excuse me, sir. I'm sorry I was so rude earlier. I mean, obviously, you know it's me, Dimbarok. But uh, uh, I didn't catch your name. Oh, damn, I'm sorry. I did not mean to ask you for a name, dude. (laughs) So fucking early, too. My name's Ernest. Ernest, a strong, a fair and beautiful name. Ernest. And uh, do you happen to know where Esmeralda's at? Oh, she works at the records office now. A government job? Yeah, she said it paid better. She getting clean? Yeah, we're all really proud of her. Hey. Yeah, me too. I mean, she won't be that much fun anymore, but hey, it's the way things go. All right, well, maybe I'll stop in and see her one day. Do you want to continue to party to take it back to your place like you said? A hundred percent. It's been a while since you've been to a good party, that's for sure. It's been 11 days. Been longing for it. If that. Yeah, it feels like 20 or 30, though. You lead everyone back to your apartment. You come to the door, and the door is bust open. Goddamn raccoons. Going inside, it looks like your apartment has been completely ransacked. My place! My beautiful place! What happened to Demi's place? Unfortunately, this is something you've seen before at your other homes that you've had at the other cities you live in. Okay, as soon as I see this, then I'm on alert. Hey! Uh, and I grab a couple of the guys that have been hanging out with us tonight. Daniel, Steven, can you, <laughs> you mind, you mind going in there and, uh, and checking it out? I'm going to go around back and make sure it's safe. On his way to the back of the house, he stops by this little inconspicuous, it's got like a little shed or something around the back on the side of the house he stops and pops it open and inside there there's a sack fully packed with a new hoodie a pair of drumsticks some horn shiner you know just all the essentials that i need some dog jerky i mean just some regular jerky maybe and he grabs his bag and kind of wants to make a look around do an investigation or perception to see if i am aware of anything so 13 perception So you spot very slight, but definitely fresh claw marks along the side of your building. It looks like maybe even someone tried to get into your little safe shed. How long have I been gone? Is it? And he starts to kind of count the days in his head. He's like, oh no, I don't think I have much time. After a few moments, Daniel and Steven come up to you. We found these in your apartment. It looks like someone had been going through all of your mail and letters you find a letter addressed to you from somebody named Pat 
<laughs> oh my god. No way. Shut the fuck up. Shut Holy up. fuck. No way. Can you tell me if I'm familiar with this or something? It's not a name you recognize, no. Okay, okay, okay. Does it stand out for any reason, or is it just... They said that of all the things, there were only a couple things that looked like they weren't torn to shreds. It looks like whoever it was maybe was angry and at not being able to find you and just started destroying things. But this letter, either it arrived after it happened or for some reason it was left alone. And then another, it's a flyer for a, a battle of the bands in a few months. Oh my God. But the weird thing about the flyer is it doesn't list a location. Hmm, okay. I'm going to tuck that flyer into my back pocket for just a bit. Yeah. I, I want to go through the letter from this PAT, this P-A-T. You open up the letter. Seems to be an offer of employment. The bottom of it is signed, not just by PAT, but it, it's basically an offer for 500 gold monthly to work for this other adventuring party called the Reasonably Priced Heroes. Hmm, I see my skills are getting around quickly. <laughs> kind of thinks to themselves, hmm, I might have to go check these guys out. But the names that are signed at the bottom are Pat, Mr. Biggs, Vex Maelstrom, and Gramps. So intriguing. Daniel, Steven, look at this. I'm being recruited already? One adventure? And I'm moving up in the world? Wow, yeah, it's great. I assume. We're just Daniel and Steven here. No one's recruiting us for anything. I'm going to recruit you guys. You know what? I think I got big things in my future. I don't know if I need this little place anymore. I want to flip him a key. I want you guys to do something great with this place, you know? Another bar or, you know, maybe a, a new venue or an after-hours club or something. Like, that would... Or an orphanage. I don't know. You you figure it out. But I'm going to get any of my crap that I have left here, and I'm going to go uh, become a star. They look in surprise like they don't even believe the luck that you've thrust upon them. Really? For us, Daniel and Steven? Yeah, Daniel. It's just a house. Chill out, man. Act like you've received one for free before. We can't thank you enough, Demarok. You haven't thanked me once. Oh, thank you, Demarok. You're very welcome. So you're going to ditch your apartment, it sounds like, after you gather the rest of your thing. I thought about burning it down for the insurance, but then I realized I never got the insurance. So, yeah, I don't need I don't need it. So what, what am I going to do with it? They shrug. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, don't, I hope you guys can figure out something. If not, just give it to the next people you see. Eventually, somebody will need this thing. It's all tore up, full of raccoons anyway. They happily help you gather the rest of your things, and then they thank you once again before you depart Demi's place one last time. Everyone just keeps partying outside, I guess. I look back, and it's just like the light of my life. I just love seeing people have a good time, especially at my expense. <laughs> Dang, man. Thrasher would have loved this party. I'll have to tell him all about it. I really would have. <clears throat> Did the letter I received from the reasonably priced adventurers have any like date and time to meet or anything like that? Just said to send your acceptance via letter at the, the tower post of the city. 
that there'd be a bird available to take your message. I was going to fold it in a paper airplane and just let the wind deliver it, but th that seems okay. Yeah, I, I guess... Yeah, I want to get in touch with him because I kind of want to know what my options are. Yeah, so I'm going to head to the local post office. The tower... What'd you say? The tower perch. That's what it was called. Yeah, to the local tower perch. There's a bird available for you. Marked, marked, with, marked with the symbol of the reasonably priced heroes. Dang, they got their own birds? Wow, these guys are really something. I use my best handwriting to like write a, write a nice reply to them. It says, To you other sweet dudes, thanks for recognizing all my sweet attitude and my amazing skills at adventuring. Obviously, you heard how I single-handedly entered another realm and saved a guy from an evil smoke monster, so yeah, you're welcome. Signed, Dimarok. The bird flies off with the letter. Then I write another letter. Also, could you let me know when and where we can meet? And that would be great. All right, now there's another bird there. He goes off with your letter. Do they have one more bird? I'm sorry. There's one more bird, yeah. It just says, rock on. And I send that one. All right, so after I get done with the perch, it's late at night now. Maybe like one o'clock in the morning. And I'm walking back to my house and I realize... Fuck, I kind of still needed that for a couple days. <laughs> Dang it. And as I'm looking around the streets, hoping to see somebody or think of a good idea, I feel a rattling in the back of my hood. And I'm kind of getting familiar to this now or used to this now. But usually it's when I'm playing music or, or, or casting a spell or something. Oh, you guys want out? Oh, all right. And I loosen up the hood on my hoodie. And out comes the, those three spirits I've kept with me since the mountain. Yes, they burst from your pocket and begin swiftly moving down the streets away from you. Wait, wait, come back, come back. And just like in the forest, those long eight or nine days ago, I go running willy-nilly after these three lights down the center of the dark street late at night. All right, it's funny that you picked this at 1 a.m., but... They lead you to an office building close to the mayor's office, I'll say. You see a sign out front that says census and records office. Senses? Mm, I got senses. Taste and smell. Hmm. I'm gonna go check this place out. Oddly enough, it's open at one in the morning. Alright, I throw the door open aggressively. What's up, party people? Can I get some senses? Whoa, man, you can't just come in here like that. Whoa, 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 chill, bro, chill. The door's open. Bro, you know me, I'm Esmeralda. Esmeralda, I didn't recognize you without the... without the thing that I usually recognize you for, the drinks. <laughs> Where, where's all the drinks? I quit that job. I decided to take the night shift at the census and records office. Okay, Esmeralda, come on, what's what's going on? You need some help? You need some money? I toss her 30 gold pieces. Oh, yeah, well, if you're going to go ahead and bribe me for whatever you want, I'll just go ahead and, what, what is it you want? Where's Froggy? What is this? And I hold up the, I don't know what I want. Uh, Esmeralda, you know me. I'm always just looking for a good time. And I was wandering the street, and then these little lights came out of my pocket, and led me right here so here i am all we have here are 
records of people who lived here and crimes that were committed and what sentences were carried out. I don't I don't know what what else you'd want here. Oh dang! I forgot these guys were from Vallist. And I look at them. You guys want me to help you, don't you? They vibrate. Okay, Esmeralda, I do know why I'm here. I need to see the criminal records over the past 50 years and then look towards the lights. They turn red. 100 years. They turn green. Uh, no, no, that's too many. Past 80 years. They turn even greener. Okay, let's go that. Past 80... Between 50 years ago and 80 years ago, I need all your criminal records. Because I'm ready to party. I was going to ask for a bribe, but you know, you already did it. So here, here you go. She pulls out a large, musty tome and slaps it on the desk. Oh, oh, dang. Okay. I guess I'm just going to start flipping through the pages one by one, watching the my three spirit buddies, my murder bros, hopefully not, and see how they react. You spend quite some time looking through the records. At a certain point, you flip a page and they gather excitedly around you. You recognize three names in the list. Is it the names they have now? It is the names that they have now. So scanning through there, I see Simblum, Tresillo, and Sonus. Whoa, wait, that's you guys. I want to look closer and see what their crimes were. Please be saving babies. Looking at the records, you find that it describes the sentence that was carried out in Vallist on these three, but it says that the sentence was actually pronounced somewhere else. It looks like it was pronounced in some place called Lidditch. Was that with a C-H or like Lidditch? Like L-I-T-I-J. Okay, Lidditch. I've traveled a fair amount. Have you ever heard of this place? Or do I know anything about it? I rolled an 18 history. 18 history? You know that Lidditch is known as the City of Law. It is the home of the most litigious societies. This ball keeps unraveling, doesn't it? The orbs, they start to glow red as you read aloud the information that you find in the book. They frantically careen around the room knocking books over, knocking tables over, knocking cabinets over as they go through shades of deep red and purple. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You guys calm down! This is a government place of business open at 1 a.m. <laughs> Who do you think's gonna clean this, Esmeralda? No, I'm not gonna do it. No, she never cleans! Do you think, what, I'm gonna do it? No way, you guys chill out and help me help you. But what do I read about them? It doesn't list what it was that they were sentenced for, just that Ballast, the whoever was in charge at the time, the mayor, received word that they had committed a grievous crime and that the sentence was death. But that's all that's listed in this uh, record here. It's probably why they're so pissed. Alright, look, I'm just gonna continue to suspend my judgment like cool murder bros, because you guys are really good at music and make me sound really cool, so... If y'all could just calm down, we'll make it to Lidditch eventually. I'm sure I will. They gather in a circle around you, and they begin pulsing with this red light. Like before, they were beseeching you for something, but now it feels as though they're demanding something from you. Alright guys, chill out. You can have 30 gold too. I, I pull out 10 apiece and toss it at them. 
it falls through them. God dang it. I got an idea, guys. If you can understand me, flash once. They flash once. If you are floating orbs, flash twice. Uh, I guess they flash twice. Okay, I just had to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Alright, so... You need me to go to Lidditch to help resolve your wrongful sentencing. Is that correct? Well, you didn't tell them what, what yes and no was, but they flash once for yes. Dang, man. If Thrasher could see me, I figured that out all by myself. I have to tell him about this. All right, do we have to go now? They flash red, but... And then green. Red light, green light. Hmm. Sort of like no, but yes. Okay, let's go. They gather in, in three little orbs. All right, can you guys write a letter or play me... Oh, play me a song. As you're talking, they plunge themselves into your chest. <gasps> you feel your heart feels like it stops in your chest. As you're flooded with these various images into your mind of these people. You see them for just a moment. They're playing music in front of large crowds of people. You see them taken in the middle of their show. It was such a good show, too, and being immediately put to death. <gasps> That's not rock and roll. And something happens in your mind. You feel like something breaks for a moment. No! <laughs> you guys should be laughing and stuff at this, too. It feels weird when there's, like, complete silence from everybody else. Fine. But if it's not funny, I guess that's, you know, okay. No, no, just laugh. Make me feel good. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Matt. I like that. Should we all just do a few that you can just sprinkle throughout? Let's <laughs> 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 all just there laughing. <laughs> just put him laughing in his own scene in the background. <laughs> Who wants to go next? Uh, I can. All right, Knox, how do you spend your time relaxing? So Knox is going to go ahead and have Captain Copes drop him off up by the north. He wants to take a little time, spend a little time in nature, maybe hit up the beach. A little time to himself, so. Have fun, bro. Thanks, bro. And then as soon as they drop him off and fly away, he's going to travel up a little bit and try to check out Alcaster Isle from a distance. He just wants to see what's going on up there. In certain fact, he knows that one of the towers got teleported away. Uh, he kind of wants to see what the state of it is, but not go there. Okay, so you fly over. It's about 40% as you remember it, which is to say about 40% of it is still there. Oh, my goodness. It looks like the majority of the Undercity is still intact, but you see smoking ruins lie in various places around it. It looks like some kind of conflict has occurred very recently. Okay, so he is going to cast Find Familiar and summon his owl. And he's going to try to fly the owl oh, maybe over the city and see if he can see any continued fighting. Or is it, are there people out and about? Or He flies over the outer edges of the city first and he doesn't see a single person there. But what he does see are quite a few broken wooden dolls lying on the ground. Oh, goodness. They're oversized like the ones you saw previously, but all of them are broken. And as he approaches closer to the center of the Undercity, say, he does start to see a few people, although they look up at the at your familiar 
sort of apprehensively. Mm-hmm. It's not too uncommon for them to see a familiar around here. Right, right. And I imagine an owl is a pretty common one. So I don't think he's going to go in the city right now. It seems pretty dangerous. I guess it depends on how early this was. I don't know. I mean, l- let me just ask you that. Is it worth trying to take the moment now of going there or does it seem pretty dangerous? It seems pretty dangerous. It seems pretty dangerous. You're not sure what to expect in a place like this. It'd be risky to go by yourself for sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't think Knox will do that. He knows the destruction that these things have brought. He feels a little uh, out of sorts on his own because he's spent the past you know week or so relying on his friends so much. So I think he's just kind of camp in the woods just outside, maybe for a couple of days watching the area and monitoring it, see if he sees anything coming in or out or whatnot. So as you watch over those few days, you don't see any sign of any active dolls. You don't see even one. It looks like they're all busted and broken on the ground, at least the ones that are out in the open. There may be ones inside that you can't see, but otherwise it seems like the people that you do see seem to be involved in some kind of rebuilding effort. Primarily, one of the things that they're building seems to be a staircase leading up to the Arcane University proper. You remember the Undercity's quite a bit below it. Right. Okay, so I think after he camps out and sees what it is, he knows it's just too dangerous of a situation for him to try to go running into right now. He's going to head back down south and try to take a, a couple of days relaxing before Captain Copes comes back and picks him up. I think he just maybe finds a, a nice little beach. Well, a beach probably is a bad idea with how dangerous the oceans are. A lake beach. If it's freshwater, you're good. A lake beach. Yeah, yeah, like a nice little pond, maybe in one of these patches of trees. And just sets up in camps, and he's got his familiar out there. He goes back to spending a little time with himself, doing some reading. He got his books, the books he got for the Arcane University, and maybe trying to copy some of the spells down that he's gotten. Just taking a moment to unpack. Okay, so you spend some of your time reading. These are like the ar- the books you took from the tower, right? Yeah. Of the Arcane University? Yeah, there was stuff about demons and things like that. As you read it, you see that your bag is moving slightly. One day you're relaxing on the beach. It's been a nice evening. You're two cups deep into Bloody Marys. Yeah, I, I got a whole keg with me. A traveling keg. And he's going to look around and, and look into his pack and see what might be moving in there. All right, it's the cube. Ooh. It's vibrating to your touch. Okay. He- Almost as though it's begging for your embrace. <laughs> it's a feeling you're unfamiliar with. <laughs> oh, ow. <laughs> okay. Well, he's going to pick up the cube, and as he starts spinning it around and, and twisting, and it's like a Rubik's Cube, so it's got all these arcane symbols. He, you know, after being in the mind realm and furthering his understanding of magic and, and how that all relates, he's going to start flipping through that and see if he can further understand it. All right, and as you do so, you feel... Like, you understand it a little bit better somehow. There doesn't seem to be a logic exactly to how it works, but there is something magical that you do just get as you move the pieces around. Each click seems to be another confirmation that you're doing something correct as you twist it and turn it and toss it before the cube just suddenly splits, sending you backward about 10 feet, tumbling to the ground begins rearranging itself into inexplicable shapes. 
it expands in a large glowing orb fills your vision. Now I want you to tell me what you see. It's not the ogre. I want you to make up what it is you see. It can be any race, whatever you want. Um, what do you want to see here? Okay, but it's a person of some sort, right? Some kind, yeah. Let's go with... Well, he's been spending a lot of time with this owl. Like an owling race. Uh, flying, almost like a harpy, but more of owl features than in more person. Sure, wasn't expecting that, but let's go with it. <laughs> it's an owl wearing a, a pair of thick glasses looking out at you with a paternal look, and it speaks. <laughs> Congratulations, young man, or old man if you prefer. Statistics show that the average age of a wizard who has achieved the third level of magic is actually 87 years old. Can you believe it? Oh, that seems wild. Very slow. You are in possession of the prototype, and you hear some static. Instant wizard device. Operation of this seemingly simple device stimulates the very same neural pathways that flow through the brain when casting arcane magic. But first, I should offer you a warning. And suddenly the image just cuts out. Okay. What, what was the warning? A large ogre figure appears. Uh, oh, it's you again. The voice speaks. Greetings, famous future wizard. It is I once again to usher you to greater heights of arcane might. Congratulations on meeting the prerequisites for third level arcane access. Do know that continued ambition towards greater magical prowess will nearly certainly result in your untimely death. On that note, we are prepared. No, we are morally obligated to offer you this opportunity to indemnify, you hear some static, against this loss of life. I'm afraid we cannot ethically allow you to continue in your mystical practice unless you agree to the following. And a, a little contract appears in front of you. It reads, I agree! <laughs> It reads, I, the great and powerful wizard, the undersigned, that's you, agree to indemnify, you hear some static again, against all losses incurred as a result of this agreement, up to and including the death of the undersigned, wherein a sum of 50,000 gold will be paid. The results of this agreement are defined as each and every situation in which the undersigned could, by action or inaction, possibly or definitely be able to use that magic to affect the situation in any way whatsoever after the date the agreement is signed. Are you ready to accept your future untimely fate and gain the ability to ascend to greater heights? Absolutely. 100%. Well, congratulations. You have been granted third level access. Oh, fantastic. Please enjoy these complimentary third-level spells as a token of our appreciation to your continued research and greater magical heights. Wait, what, what was your name? The figure stands motionless for a moment, and then it says something, and I want you to roll a perception check to see if you hear it. Oh, I have such bad perception, though. Roll well. Okay. Ooh, that's an 18. 19 minus 1. You just barely hear it, and it looks like the figure is trying to mask that they're saying something. The voice says, cut the, cut the call. Wait, hey, what? And then the ogre disappears. That was weird. I must have not heard it right. Huh. Well, this is pretty cool. Yeah, it spits out a couple of uh, third-level spells. All right. 
I think he's just going to spend some more time flipping through the cube and looking through his spells and unnecessarily burning through large amounts of spells. Now that nobody's around to see, he wants to really try to get in touch with some of his magical side a little more. So he's really being crafty and using spells. He just doesn't want Thrasher to know. Ten minutes of spell up, but that takes forever. (laughs) So you casually spend the rest of your time blasting birds from the sky or something like that with your magical abilities. Yeah, I can't wait to get back and show Flargobun some of these new things. You find yourself having attained even greater heights of magical prowess. Beautiful. I imagine as he copies his spells that he puts the cube over the spell scrolls and he deposits gold into it and it like 3D prints him a little spell on a rock. (laughs) Okay. The cube now has a different shape to it altogether. Ooh. It's like before it was a cube and now it's a, let's say it's a a 20-sided die. Oh, I've never seen one of those. But its mysteries once again elude you. Ugh. So you enjoy your remaining time by the water and uh, relax. That's it. All right, Thrasher, how do you spend your time? I think I'm going to spend a lot of it actually chilling on the ship just because, you know, I'm worried about wagon wheel and whatnot. I want to make sure he's safe. But uh, I'll definitely sneak off on occasion to go into Valist and, you know, check out a show so I can relax a little bit. At some point, I'll probably go to wherever it was that Demi sent the birds with the messages and whatnot. I have some correspondences I would like to send out. Oh, okay. Would you like to read those out loud, or would you like to keep them secret for now? Yeah, they secret. How many letters do you send, just so I can know? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. Okay, okay. He's going to tell me later. You guys don't get to know. Didn't I, I, I told you earlier. Aren't we doing this for, like, listeners? I didn't know how many letters you were sending, if you were just sending one letter. Yeah, really just one. All right. Will I get anything back? Uh, eventually, yeah. All right. Yeah, you can tell me what it is that you write later. You send off your mysterious letter that everyone wants to know about. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. You end up walking home alone. I don't even know if you have a home. You end up walking somewhere. Yeah, I'm walking. You had just sent the letter. You were the last one up after a great show. You didn't really have to hit that one guy so hard, but whatever. (laughs) You hear a distant sound echoing shrilly through the streets. Ah! Ah! Oh no. Yeah, I'm bolting in that direction. You give chase, hearing the sound this time closer, but this time excited. You hear... You see, off in the distance, a cluster of shadows standing in a circle. Their forms odd, misshapen at this distance, but their call, unmistakable. Yes! As you approach, the figures part, revealing an imposing figure clad in scars and feathers. What's up, Deathbeak? It wears a black steel helm, the front of it ornamented with a long, narrow spike. Yes. It flips its head back, the visor raising, revealing Deathbeak, the returned. (sighs) He makes eyeless contact with you. 
and scrapes his talons against the ground, preparing to charge. I scrape my talons against the <laughs> ground. <laughs> I do the bolt thing where I'm scraping my foot on the ground, getting ready. All right, roll for initiative. Yes. Nine. Deathbeak's going to go first. Deathbeak dashes forward, brandishing its black steel beak, and he's going to make two attacks against you. So he gets a 16 and then a 17. Both hit. Ouchie. He hits you for nine damage as he slashes you with his black steel helm and then claws at you with his talons. Good one, Deathbeak. First things first. I rage. And then I'm going to hit him. Modded 20. That's a hit. 16 damage. 16 damage. That's a hefty hit against Deathbeak. As you crash into him, Deathbeak attempts to wrap its neck around your axe, attempting to hinder your blows while it stabs at you with its still mobile head. So he's going to make two attacks, one to restrain your weapon and one to attack you. So that is a 25 and a 27. Just barely. So he wraps around your axe. You are considered restrained for the next round unless you take an action to free yourself and then he pecks at you with his black steel helm. But he rolls very poorly. Uh, I'm with you, baby. I'm just mm, moving my head back and forth. Mm, mm, every time he pecked, mm. Now I'm over here. All right, it's your turn. So I can't still hit him? You're restrained, so you'll have disadvantage unless you take an action to free yourself. I'm just going to try and hit him with disadvantage. Oh, no, I'll hit him recklessly so that I have regular hitty powers. 19. That's a hit. Four. 15 more damage. Dang, you're rolling really great against him. I am. When nobody else is here, you roll great. I love this. Yeah. It's only when I'm trying to defend my friends that I can't roll. Deathbeak tumbles to the ground, but slowly picks itself up. His bloodlust has not been satisfied yet. Mm. As he charges you once again, attacking recklessly with his black steel helm and talons. Oh, man. Since he already had advantage for me, does that give him double secret advantage? I totally forgot about that, but... Oh. So he gets a 24 and a 26 to hit. Yeah, that'll do it. This is going to hurt. All right, you get hit for 15 damage. So, seven? Oh, you're raging. That's right. No, eight. So eight damage? Eight damage. Ow. You're not done. I'm not done. I'm still restrained? Or no? You're still restrained. Reckless again. 21. That's another hit against Deathbeak. 13 more damage. What do you do? Damn, I didn't think you would take him out so easily. I'm very strong. <laughs> Apparently. When obviously I'm not killing Deathbeak. Yeah, just don't cut his head off. No. <laughs> I flip my axe around sideways like I did when I used it as a fan. But this time I use that and just kind of swing it down and club the very top of his spike. So it just kind of... Club him to the ground and he falls. Kutunk. After a few moments, you stand there. The emus cheer. <laughs> Deathbeak slowly pulls itself up, propping itself up with its black steel beak tip. I help him up. All right, you help him up. 
and he lowers his head to you. Looks like he wants you to hop on. Ooh. We going for a ride? All right, uppies. And I jump on. Deathbeak and the rest of the emus, they all run off towards Fargrave Mountain. Mm. They make quick work of the ascent to the top of the mountain, eventually delivering you to a familiar clearing. It's a clearing that you remember very well. It's when you found out some very bad news about someone you care about. Oh, bummer, guys. Deathbeak delivers you to the front of the gravesite of Cadaver Masher, was it? Yeah, something like yeah. that. Cadaver Musher. No, no. I think we I think we stuck with Masher. You maybe wonder for a second why they would have brought you here, but then you look at the grave. It looks like somebody desecrated it. The grave has been dug up. It looks like there's no remnants of what was left in there. The gravestone is all scratched and vandalized. If you didn't know that this was who this was for, I mean, you wouldn't know it was for Cadaver Masher. What the? Deathbeak, do you know who did this? Deathbeak moves its body in a gesture that implies it doesn't know, but then it leads you to some of the other grave sites on Far Grave Mountain. Not all of them, but four or five of them have also been dug up recently. Their grave sites completely empty. I'll give you this one more thing. In Cadaver Master's grave, you find a single finger bone. Mm. I will be taking that and making a necklace with that. Jiminy Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do that. Thanks for showing me this place, Deathbeak. Uh, I'm going to get back with the guys, and I'm going to get them out here, and we're going to figure out what's going on. And I'm going to give you one last thing. You feel like maybe you've gotten a little bit better control when you're not raging of your anger, but I imagine this pisses you off a great deal that this happened. Oh, yeah. You feel that rage welling up inside of you. So much rage welling inside. You start thrashing around wildly with your axe. As you swing your axe, you notice something particular about it. As you swing it, you see an afterimage following behind the axe. What? You remember it. It's actually an afterimage of your old axe, the one that you had before. What? And when you strike at a tree, you swing your axe and it impacts once and then impacts a second time. Dope. I love that. I like that. And if you remember, you kept, you still had the axe that you took from other Thrasher in your mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. So after I swing my axe around for a while and convince myself, no, this is not an acid flashback, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, awesome. Thrasher rages against the night. I cannot believe that guy that guy you respect so much had the balls to give you the finger. <laughs> oh. That's just ridiculous. Alright, after everyone's gone, there are separate ways. Cups is staying on the airship, and he's laying on his back, looking at the night sky, and he digs out an old piece of parchment from his bag. He can't get the vision of that tainted scion out of his mind. And he pulls out an old, old parchment that's got a crudely drawn uh, map on it. And he looks at it and he says, I think it's time. He grabs the wheel and he, 
he heads off towards the far mountains. The far mountains? Okay. I already let you invent a hidden grove, but... already named him. Alright, so we'll say it's one of the mountains on the repeating plains. The what? The repeating plains. Guys, it's Arc 2. We can't do this kind of stuff. That's true. People won't get the joke if they're only listening to Arc 2. Alright, so you take off in the ship. You know that it's a difficult place to find for those who don't know where it is. And maybe you're not even sure if you could find it without the map. But you approach, I'm assuming, a thickly forested mountain. It is, but it, it, it moves to a, uh, a snowy peak. But I am going to park at the bottom near a hidden trail that is located on the map. Like, you cannot find this trail without knowing the location. I like that. And it wouldn't be right to just skip the trail. Right. I mean, we can, but... <laughs> Tyler, you're really good at inventing stuff. It's a real shame that I hate it so much. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. Alright, you spend your time climbing up the trail of the mountain. No, no. Has you ever walked this trail before? Here's my thought. Copes pulls up to the bottom. He lands the airship above the trees. He grabs Braddock and Rick and says, Watch over Wagon Wheel, please. Or watch... <laughs> Old habits die hard. Watch over Quinsley. And uh, this is a trail I must walk alone. You guys haven't explained to me what happened yet, so I don't know what that means, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well. We'll cover that in a few weeks. Soon enough, brother. And I disembark off the ship. And then I climb up real quick, put my hands on the rail, and pop my head over and say, Don't, uh, don't let Floggerbonds fly this, please. Oh, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, we'll address that later, and I climb <laughs> back down the rope. <laughs> All right. So you walk up this hidden mountain trail. Have you been here before? I have not. I know it from Legends of the Glade. So you know it's not typically in Druid's nature to curate a path, to really, like, you know, trim it back and stuff like that, although they do allow it to be a path. But... I imagine it more like hidden signs and... Yeah, Yeah, exactly, there are signs, but many of them are overgrown. It looks like... You expected it to be better maintained. It's left here for the druids that want to, you know, make this pilgrimage to this place. But it looks like it's been quite some time since anyone has tended to the forest and made sure that the path is visible. It's just like these guys. But, you know, nothing worth finding is is easy. They're so fucking lazy. (laughs) I don't think they have hands, but I'm gonna keep going. So you approach the top of the mountain. I assume that's where you're going, to the snow-capped mountain. That's it. And although you walk through dense snow at a certain point, you come around a corner and slip through a narrow passageway between rocks and you emerge into a small verdant grove that's just filled with plant life in this cold, dark place. And Copes looks down at the map, and there's a small circle at the edge of the trail called the Seraphim Peaks. Mm-hmm. Alright, so you know that you have to climb some of the trees in order to ascend further. It almost feels like you're inside of a cavern, but you know that this area, it's really just, it's so thickly forested and dense with growth above you that you can't see it. You climb above it, and you spot what you're looking for. You see an, a domed structure. It's The roof is pierced with oddly shaped wooden contraptions which bend and twist inexplicably. It's got completely open sky above it. Okay, so uh, 
Can I make my way to the path leading? Yeah, you can get there. You know, you just have to climb a couple of trees and then pull yourself up onto the platform, which leads into the building. All right, as I'm walking up, I'm pulling out these small little frames with crystal circles in them that I've been preparing for this journey. And I walk up to the front door. No doors. I walk up. Hello? Uh, bros? Brohos? Myriad tubes and glass lenses fill this room. Diagrams of the stars, constellations, and their movements cover the walls. You see a large floating spherical creature with a large mouth and many eyes giggle excitedly as it uses its stalk-like eyes to look through many of the lenses simultaneously. I drop down to one knee and hold up my offering of my glasses that I've made while on my trip. Alright, the creature pays no mind to you. It seems to be completely involved in whatever it is it's looking at as it giggles excitedly, as it transfers its stalk-like eyes from lens to lens. Um, hello, bros? Hey, bro? Ah! 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 If I had legs, I would have fallen down. <laughs> Good thing you don't, right, bro? Ah, too true, bro. <laughs> I've been wanting to meet you guys, bro. It's just, you know, I haven't had the time. His eyes uh, close in kind of a sad way. I, I'm afraid it's just me here. You can call me Ojo, though. What happened to the rest of you? There was, there was a great colony here. He looks nervously at some of the lenses. It's hard to tell which one he's looking at. He's got so many eyes. They saw something... They saw something in the lenses. They left. My people left. The rest of my kind, I don't know where they left, where they went to. Oh, Joe, I mean, what did they see? Do you know? He gestures to some of the lenses. Look here. Look here. Uh, Coates walks up and, and looks into the lens. You see the sky. It's such a wonderful sight to you. Woo! God, love that sky. Nice and clear, full of stars. But something's off about it. There's too many of them. What? Oh, come on. Yeah, you see a constellation that you don't recognize. Ojo. There's something wrong with them. Look closely at them. And as you look closer, they seem to shine with a sickly green light. They stand out amongst the rest of the stars. Ojo, this is... What is this? This is not normal. It almost makes you sick to your stomach to see. Somehow it just feels wrong, whatever these things are. It like turns my stomach. I look away. I don't know. He gestures with his eye stalks to the drawings. It doesn't match any of the constellations that we know about. I don't know what this could mean. The others were troubled by what they saw. I think they knew something that I didn't know. They left the next day. Did it look like this? And I have spent a little bit of time drawing a crude drawing of the scion I saw in in the mind realm. This looks like one of the scions. You saw something like this? I did, bro, but it was it was corrupted. There was something wrong with it. This isn't a coincidence. As the stars move through the sky, so you have been brought here, Copes, I think. I think I have something for you. Oh, well, can I see it? I really like stuff. 
Yes, but first you must answer these riddles three. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I just always <laughs> wanted to say that. I get it, Ojo. It's a pretty funny thing to say. I didn't prepare any riddles, though, so next time. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll have to come see you again at Arc 3. <laughs> Actually, quite a while ago, someone came by and dropped off a package. It's been some time since I'd seen anybody. Everyone was still here then. He said I would know who to give it to when they got here. He hands you a wrapped package. I tenderly open it. Layer by layer. It tenderly opens. Ooh. Oh, shit. There's a very familiar looking crystal wrapped in this leather here with a rolled note next to it. I snap my eyes back up to Ojo. Where did you get this, Ojo? It was Jiraiya, one of the Archdruids. Jiraiya? Jiraiya's an Archdruid? Since when? Since people have been disappearing. That makes sense. That's why you can communicate. Can't believe I didn't put this together. I don't know why, but Druids have stopped coming here. That's why I'm here. I need to figure this out. I pick up the crystal and then hold up my crystal necklace to it. You hold up your necklace and the stone snaps into place like two opposing magnets, fusing into one crystal instantly. I start floating. I'm just kidding. The crystal shines brightly in the air and you hear a message. I'm just going to do this instead of the note that you read. This is more fun. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I knew you'd come here eventually, bro. Keep searching for the answers you seek. You're getting closer. You need to do it. While there are still people to give you those answers. And it's signed, Jiraiya. Ojo, did he bring this here? It was him that brought us here, but he looked frantic, upset. Like something had been... Something had been bothering him. Did he tell you where he was going? He didn't say just came here to deliver this package he didn't even look through the telescopes it seemed like he already knew what he would see i'm sorry i wish i could tell you more it's okay ojo i appreciate the help i'm gonna look through it one more time and try to jot a quick chart down of the constellation that seems fucked up okay you draw it out and perhaps after you draw it out, maybe you spend a little bit more time just looking at it. I do, yeah, for sure. As you look up at them, you feel a warmth in your chest, as though your connection with the stars and nature around you has increased. As you look up at them, they seem these stars seem all the more troubling. Something's wrong. And then you die. <laughs> <laughs> Back from the dead, baby. (laughs) No, that's good. I like that. All right. Everybody levels up and gets new HP and stuff. I'm going to roll good this time. So level five is a big one for us because our proficiency bonus goes up from two to three. Ooh, it does? Yeah. Yes, it does. That means, yes, I'm out That means they're plus one better at everything that they're better, that they're good at. Yes. Fellas, and check this. I now get all my bardic inspiration back on a short rest as well. Huge. Nice. I just be popping them off left and right. Drum solo, root solo, flute solo. 
as per usual, is uh, everybody okay with me rolling my health with a real dice? No. Yes. We never have been. Really? I have always been. I'm fine with it. All right, thank you. Because I don't give a fuck what other people do. Do you, baby? Thank you. Yeah, especially as long as it don't affect me. And I got a six. I can't decide if I want to roll it. Remember, everyone, they can take half. You So if it's an eight, you could take a four or roll it. I thought it was half rounded down plus three. I thought that's how we were doing it. Plus whatever your constitution is. No, with the constitution on top. Like, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Matt just wants a plus three, an extra plus three for No, I'm going to roll a six on this. I'm going to smoke this roll. I did roll a six. I want to see it. Let me see that six. Show us your six. So Dimrock's rolling for health. He gets a three plus one. Everybody whip your six out. All right. 1d8, baby. Wait, I only get four more health? I only get four more health. Dang it. All right, Copes, you going to rip it? I'm going to rip it. Here we go. Grip it and rip it, baby. Okay. Five. Nice. Five plus one. Six more. Nice. I'm about to throw the sweet d6 out. It's plus con, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. This one feels good. It's a one. That sounds about right. <laughs> no. Have you already re-rolled a one? No, I have not. No, he hasn't. I have a feeling I'm going to roll another one, though. Oh, me too. I do too, for some reason. Hey, guys, Matt hasn't already re-rolled a one, right? Yay. Hey, that's a five. All right. All right. Nice. There you go. Nice. All right, so I actually got three plus three. So I got six more health. All right. I'll go from 34 to 40. I am now sitting at a cool 50 health. And you keep dying the most. That's crazy. I know. Knox with his amulet of health feeling beefy. I got 41 now. Oh, shit. Oh, shoot. Red, you got to try extra hard to kill him. I, I can't wait. Or just put something very dangerous in front of me. I'll handle the rest. <laughs> He'll just walk right on into it. I'll just put a door in front of him. <laughs> Ooh. I also am now faster, so now my move speed, if I'm not wearing heavy armor, which I'm not, is 40. Jeez. Hey. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fast boy. And those of you that can cast spells, which is everyone but Thrasher, get a whole new level of spell to cast. Uh, oh, yeah. Third level. I can still cast Axit. Hey, you know what's really funny <laughs> that I got? Is it casting Axit? No, it's called Feign Death. Uh, <laughs> I hate you. Oh I hate you. I will strike you down. Yeah. If it's magically powered, now we're never going to know. <laughs> Is it a reaction? Because that'd be even better. If it was a reaction. I wish it was. <laughs> with your proficiency bonus, weapons that you're proficient with, your attack bonus goes up by one as well, right? That's right. Correct. Oh, that reminds me. I need to look for a better whip. I really like your Colorado. Like a car? Oh, thanks, bro. Ride the whip, baby. Oh, can I get a ghost whip? Ghost ride the whip. That's it, baby. Is that the end of the episode? Or... We don't want to end that. Maybe we throw that in the beginning. No, I think that's the end. And then maybe just say something like, everybody gets back on the ship, and we'll take it next week. At the end of those three weeks, let's just say... Thrasher, you're approached in a dream again. Ooh. Ooh. Quincy Puffton lets you know that he'll be awake in the morning and to call the others. Ooh. Ooh.
Can't wait to see you, man. He disappears before he turns into part of the mosh pit. (laughs) Maybe Thrasher was having a different dream that night. Maybe he was eating tasty pastries. I don't know what you're talking about. Why would Thrasher be dreaming about that? That doesn't make sense. Shut up. Brent, just do a death peek outro. Yes. It's season two! Yes, queen, yes. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so he wants you all to uh, listen to Discount Heroes on uh, whatever platform you listen. Oh, man. Uh, I guess check out the Facebook page, too, and maybe join our Discord. Uh, every every th- thir- Thursday, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, all right, yeah, Thursday. Okay. It's hard, man. Oh, I'm getting better, I swear. I'm trying. All right, yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to Discount Heroes. Uh, we're cool. What was that one? Uh, questionable results are always guaranteed. <laughs> Beautiful. By the way, fuck you for naming the guy with all the eyes Ojo. <laughs> <laughs> you motherfucker. Great fucking name. It is. <laughs> all our Spanish speaking audiences will love that. <laughs> Oh, I didn't know that you you spoke Spanish. Ocho ojos.